Hey everybody, welcome back to Opening Up and Narrowing Down. This is Mr. Thurston. I want to welcome you to this space we've designed to just engage and connect students of Woodburn High School Theater and really creative people all around who are interested in making art in a new way, creating meaningful communities and harnessing the power of storytelling. We're really lucky to hear today from somebody that I consider to be a master storyteller. She is a, a thinker, a director, an actor, uh, located here in Portland, Oregon. And if you've been around Woodburn High School Theater, you've probably encountered Christy Miles. She's shared in a handful of our classes and she was also instrumental in connecting us with Pete, Portland, uh, experimental theater ensemble of which she is a founding member and we were fortunate to collaborate with them on our fall device project last year. Christy is also a professor of theater at George Fox University and she's appeared on stages at Artist Rep and Third Rail Rep and many others here around the Portland area so we're really fortunate to hear from her today. Today we're jumping into this idea of things that are larger. So to kind of rewind and go back to the beginning, um, how did you stumble into this world of theater and creative storytelling? Yeah, um, I, I mean, to really like be honest, I think creative storytelling came from when I was super, super young in my family. Um, so I'm the youngest by 10 and 11 years to my other siblings. I was the, uh, the oops in the family. Uh-huh. <laughs> and. I love cartoons. I, lo- I still love cartoons, but like, really, that's what, that was my life when I was little. And uh, one of my favorite activities every day when our family was together for dinner was to recreate my favorite cartoon of the day. And so I would recreate Tom and Jerry most of the time, or sometimes Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner. And so I think it started there. I really enjoyed doing that. And then I like really didn't do theater until high school. And I, I was a pretty piss poor student. Sorry, can I, I can say that, right? Yep. Absolutely. I, well, I did. So, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I was not a good student and, and really was floundering in school from middle school to high school. And then I changed schools for high school. And uh, my freshman year, I, it was an all-girls school. And uh, I, there was a flyer up at school that was like, come be in the play at Cathedral, which was the all-boys school, the brother school. And I was like, yeah, I want to be in a play with boys. Right. So I did, and it was a musical. Um, and I ended up just really loving it. I mean, I sang. I sang in church choir, and I sang in the school choir. So getting into the play was like, oh, I'll just sing. And then, you know, walk and sing. Mm-hmm. But I really, it was like one moment where I like had one line in the play, and my one line ended up getting a laugh. So, you know, I was like... I was hooked after that. I was like, wait a minute. I affected laughter to a crowd of people. So I wanted to do that. So that's how it happened. And then I just never stopped doing plays. (laughs) I just kept doing them for the rest of my life. As I was um, Googling you, uh, the word, (laughs) (laughs) the words, um, the word radical art came up several times. What, What does that mean to you? What does that look like? Oh, that's, that, first of all, like, wow, I didn't even know I was Google-able, <laughs> so that's exciting. You're the first thing that comes up when you Google Christy Miles. <laughs> oh, that's 
Cool. And radical <laughs> art. I love that that came out. Um, that's probably through all of my Pete work, the Portland Experimental Theater Ensemble. Um, and it like I've always been drawn to things that are larger. <laughs> I just like whatever that meant. Um, and I've always been really intrigued by theater that wasn't linear or that um, didn't follow the Aristotelian story, you know, like I was just always, I, like, I was like, yeah, I like those. I, I watch them and I want to be in some, but I really am curious about the other things. And I always found myself being drawn to the other, the other things, right? The language that I had. Um, and so then I, in graduate school, I found, I learned about Anne Bogart and the City Company. And um, the two training techniques that I found in grad school or was introduced to its grad school is, were based in their lineage. And so then I went off and like trained with them for a summer and, you know, cut to me moving to Portland, their, their way of making art through Suzuki technique and viewpoints technique was something that I had adopted for myself as a way to keep chasing after my curiosity in theater making. When I moved to Portland, I found these people, um, Fever Theater, they were called then, and it was Kate Sanderson. Holly, Amber Whitehall, and Jacob Coleman, and I, they were doing, they were speaking that language. They were Suzuki and Viewpoints language. And so then we got together and then they went away to grad school. And then I found someone else who came to Portland who just moved that I had trained with at the city company. And so um, when everybody got back from school and we, we met together and we just started talking about this kind of art making, and so then we formed Pete and um, the words radical, the word radical was really thrown about like radical meaning um, large, big, new, challenging. I mean, new was really the big thing of like, how do we push our art forward? How do we experiment in ways that will change how, change what theater is or change, give a new facet to what theater is, not change theater in itself, but you know, so that I think is what it means to me, like just um, questioning and experimenting and taking risks in ways that may um, open yourself and the audience in a new way. Yeah. That was a long answer. No, I love it. <laughs> it's, it's hard to make something that hasn't already been seen before. Totally. And I, I also almost said this, but I didn't. Um, I don't think we're actually making anything new because it's hard. Like, I think yeah. <laughs> it's been done in a way. Right. Um, but I think something that I, I like, it's new to me or new to this moment or because it's, it's never, I really believe, and this is for me, Christy Miles, like, I have to bring myself, I have to relearn myself every day. And then I have to bring that relearned self to the art every day. Mm. And then that art is happening in this time that has never happened in this, this world that has never happened. And so whether it's happened before or not, it's new now because it's through yeah. me and it's happening now. Right. So, but yeah. yes, I agree. I agree with you. It's hard to do something completely new. Yeah. So speaking of the, the present moment, we find ourselves in a bizarre present moment. Yeah. Uh, so how does, what does creativity look like in a pandemic for you? So many ways. Um, uh, uh, 
really, I, I think creativity itself is so useful for this moment. Like I just keep thinking back, like all of my training, all of it is, is really prepared me for the, for what we're going through. Um, meaning I'm staying nimble, flexible, ready to jump at any, like ready to adjust at any moment. Um, so that the change or the shift doesn't paralyze me. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does sometimes because sometimes it's overwhelming and I have to stop and just breathe. Um, but for the most part, like my, my creativity is just like being able to see it for what it is and then try to problem solve. How do we keep going? Like, you know, how you are, like, how do we keep making theater when we can't be in a theater? Yeah. <laughs> um, what is the, so then the, the definition of, of theater gets to change a little bit, right? Yep. Which is what I'm super interested in, right? It's this radical mm -hmm. notion of, well, this is, we can experiment and we can fail. And so holding a lot of grace too, is I think um, my creativity calls out is, is just like, we have to be okay with getting, or, you know, it's, I, I always, I, I don't like using this language, but for lack of better language for, we have to be okay with things not working. Mm -hmm. You have to be okay with, with, you know, failure essentially. Um, and then just try again. So a lot of grace and a lot of breath. Um, Rhett, our friend at George Fox, you know, he, his catchphrase is instant forgiveness, which I just love. So instant forgiveness for the technology that sometimes fails, instant forgiveness for myself, which sometimes fails, um, instant forgiveness for the, how we show up in the moment because yesterday there wasn't you know a week ago there wasn't toxic air and now there is and so or the, yeah two weeks ago there wasn't fires eating our gobbling our earth right and now there is so how do i look at that honestly hold what needs to be held breathe through it with ease as much ease as i can muster and then also like make something yeah 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 keep making like that's just what i keep telling kids just keep making something yeah and it doesn't have to necessarily be like performance right absolutely like i've been writing uh, i collaborated with a friend on an album she wrote she she's mm -hmm. writing an album based uh, she wrote songs based on all the characters she's played in life so i sang a verse in that you know um so are there any projects that you can talk about of things you've done during the pandemic or things that you're thinking about dreaming about right now? Sure. Yeah. Um, so Pete, we worked on, uh, we're still working on the piece. It's called weather room. And so we built, and this was in the hopper before the pandemic and before smoke and fires, but it happened to just be really appropriate. Um, we built a room on a trailer and a room is loose term. We've built a set or a structure on a trailer on a flatbed, small trailer um, that has a set uh, score of events, light and sound for 23 minutes and 26 seconds. And Pete hasn't been in the room together, which is we're an ensemble theater and we make, we make theater together. So this was an experiment for us. How do we make it together alone? So we, the app performers got the score of sound and then we got the dimensions of the set and we could tape it out on our floor and we were asked to make something uh, that fit 23 minutes and 26 seconds. And then um, we have two hours to go put it into the room. Uh, 
And then we took the room over, we, we had take three in-person tickets and then a infinite amount of virtual tickets. And we took it to three different houses and performed in their driveway or on the street in front of their house, socially distant. So they were, you know, more than 20 feet away or however, 15 feet. Um, and solos, so we made solos collaborating with the technical scores that were happening, light and sound um, and set and prop. So, so we've been working on that. That was really cool. We're doing it again in October, uh, early, early October. We don't have a solid date yet, but if you're interested, keep your eye on Pete. Um, and then I've been working on a show for the last three years now um, called Fronteriza. Borderlands, uh, which was, you know, this, this administration has been really tough uh, on me, <laughs> on all of us. <laughs> I, I think all of us, but you know, some people don't think that. Um, particularly with uh, his stance and viewpoint on immigrants and immigration. And I'm, I'm a first gen through my mom, uh, Mexican American. And so my hometown was in the news a lot for a while. So I started going back to El Paso mm -hmm. and back to Texas along the border and interviewed a lot of the people that were, it was right around the immigration, the migration crisis. Oh, okay. The so caravan the, and all that? Mm -hmm, the caravan. So I started to interview people working with the uh, refugees. Um, I tried to get interviews with CPB, Customs and Border Protection, that, but didn't, just got, you know, met with them and got lots of statements. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have all these interviews and then I'm going to juxtapose it with my story of growing up and my family's history of growing up along the same border. Um, so it's like kind of a, what have we been calling it? A, 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 like a piece for me and to work through some of my baggage, <laughs> but mostly also to, for all of us to work through the baggage of borders and like borderland theory and mm -hmm how really it's something we're making up and <laughs> yeah so it, this this is very this is going to happen in january but this is something that we're going to be making over zoom we or well we don't know <laughs> we're going to be yeah. making together alone maybe yeah during the pandemic wow that sounds yeah. like a huge project it's yeah it is huge we've been working on it or i've been working on it for three years um yeah. So yeah, we're almost, we're almost there, almost, almost to the producing. How is, how is kind of telling your own story been a different journey than maybe creating something brand new or, or adapting or taking something from a script? How is that personal story different? Yeah, it's like the stakes are like un, uh, undescribable. The stakes feel really high um, and it's super vulnerable. Um, it's super vulnerable because being a person of color in the Pacific Northwest is just hella hard because, or at least in Portland, but I'm, I'm assuming throughout the whole Pacific Northwest, just because there, there isn't a lot of us. And I, being in the theater community here in Portland, don't have a lot of people of color. Um, it's getting better. I finally found some affinity groups, but it's been a while. Like it took me, it was a decade of me just feeling really alone. So it feels super vulnerable to share that part of myself and that culture because it's something I haven't shared before because I never felt like I could or yeah anyway um, 
so yeah, that's what it feels like. Super, super scary and vulnerable, but also super, super rewarding. I read a little piece of writing that I did at a choir concert. So there's this wonderful choir in Portland called Resonance Ensemble. And they did a whole concert based on music around immigration hmm. and all, all the music that they sang and featured was under this subject, immigration. And so they invited me to come read a port, part of this show, and I did. And afterwards, I met like five people, three of two, all of them Latinos or Latinas, Latinx population, and um, three of them were from El Paso, which was wow. really cool. Huh. And so I just felt like, okay, it's it's I'm balancing the like, I don't. Uh, a hard topic right because i'm balancing i don't want to like do a show to explain myself to a whole bunch of non-latinx people mm -hmm. but i also want to do a show that incites conversation and curiosity um, and i really want to do a show for more people like me <laughs> like that's what i really want to do is i want to do a show that so i can find more people more of my people um so that that's already happening just from a small snippet was that i was able to meet more people I was like, yes, okay, okay. So it gives me the, the courage to keep going. So I can't imagine that um, like Zoom was your intention for the for a three three year project. How do you how do you deal with like just um, I mean there's a there's an emotional toll to that of like being asked to adapt and be flexible. Um, how how do you how do you deal with the just changes that are being thrown at us? Yeah, I mean, you know, there are days where I'm brave and I'm like, it's going to be okay. And then there are days where I'm like, I can't get out of bed because um, it's too much. So I don't know that it will be a Zoom show, honestly. Uh, we, we're still trying to figure out, like, we don't know if it'll be like an audio guided piece that we take people on a tour in their cars. We don't, it could be an installation that one audience member experiences at a time. Like, um, so the form about how it's going to be shared is still in question. Sure. Um, yeah, and it, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I just am practicing staying open to the unknown and because originally when I conceived about it or conceived the show, I really wanted it to happen in October. Like I would have been in rehearsals right now. I wanted it to be in October at the end of October, right before the election. Yes. It was gonna, it was more of a altar piece. Like is what one of the names we talked for a while, like it was a, around Day of the Dead. Mm -hmm. um, so it was going to be a, an offering for all those people, refugees who gave their lives, for all the people that have been disappeared because of this amazingly difficult situation that we find ourselves in and because of p politics. Um, so that had to change pretty quickly right. when, once we went into quarantine and realized that we wouldn't be able to be in the room to make it. Um, so that was hard to let go of, to be like, well, okay, I wanted this piece to be this sort of like day of the dead ofrenda mm -hmm. to, to impact people before the election. Right. So then I just kind of just been listening, uh, honestly, to listening, listening to the world, listen, listening to myself. Like, how do I now take this material that I've collected, all of this contents, and what needs to happen with it now? Like what will need to happen with it in January? You know, we don't know what the, what the outcome of the election is gonna be. So come November 3rd, 
it might be a whole nother, like, we don't know. Like, um, so just trying to like continue to make, right, I'm right, recording myself now, tell it, saying like monologues or just yeah. like verbal diarrhea, honestly. Right. Um, so I just keep doing that and asking myself like the questions that come up um, around, you know, the little bit of racism that I've, and, uh, that I've experienced or the colorism or the um, definition within myself. Right. So just recording my musings really at this point yeah. is where I'm at. Did that answer the question? Caleb? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think we're all, we're all, I think we can be positive and be like, yeah, we can adapt. And then, but I think there's, there's power in just being honest. I don't know. It's like, it's a, it's a struggle for me of like, okay, I need to be honest of how I'm feeling. And, and, but then I don't want to wallow either. And there's a very fine line for my personality. Yes. No, I get you. Me too. Me too. Um, okay, one one final um, question is pretty broad, and that is just what what advice do you have for student artists, students trying to be creative right now? Yeah, God, just so Nike, just do it. Just do it. My, no, just do it. It's so like lame, um, but also like it's true. Like uh, don't let don't let your self doubt if you have that. I don't want to assume that everybody has that. I have tons of it, but. Um, try to like just silence the self-doubt and the self-censor and just get it out on paper. Don't, um, it's from John Cage, right? We, uh, this, this, we can't analyze and create at the same time. Yep. And I think for myself, that's like, I have to remember that because I tend to like be making, 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 and then my little critic will be watching, 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 um, which doesn't help the making. <laughs> So I like, if you ha if you feel the impulse, do it then. Cause it's also fleeting. Mm. The impulse will find the person who's going to do it then. So if you feel the muse say yes to it and just go and just don't judge it, just go. Thanks again, Christy miles for just spending time with us and sharing your insights and your journey. Hey, if you are thinking about what are the larger things, what are the things that you want to talk about, what are the things you want to make despite the challenges we face, I would love to hear about them. Drop me a voice message in the app, shoot me an email, and let's continue this conversation and keep making and keep telling stories.